Okay, so uh, I wanted to discuss the dangers of good intentions. Yikes. Yikes. Like, uh, like, well, more, like more than the fact that the road to, road to hell is paved with them? Hmm. Um, there probably are many roads, roads paved, you know, with them, but uh, I guess... Um, I don't think there are any chedushim that I want to offer, but uh, it was just an interesting thing that I was studying, and I figured maybe I'd share it. Um, I was studying a little Navi and talking about, and they were discussing the good old um, storyline between Chana and Penina. And, uh, you know, Penina is known to... Uh, have been the one who had really good intentions. You know, as Rashi says that, you know, Hannah had no children, Penina had a whole bunch of children, and Penina kept, you know, the Medrash, I think the Yalkut Shimoni discusses like all kinds of different um, ways that Penina had of helping remind Hannah that she had no children, as opposed to Penina who had uh, many children. So, you know, Rashi points out, he quotes the, um, it's, a, it's a Gemara, it's a Yalkut Shimoni, that say that uh, really Penina's intentions were very noble. <laughs> so the same way that the Satan uh, does things that could be interpreted as the Satan uh, being really mean and nasty. But uh, um, the Gemara says that really Nina's intentions were L'shem Shemaim. She wanted Chana to, to daven. She knew the power of Tfilah, and she knew that if, da, if Chana was more motivated to daven properly, then uh, it's likely that her not having children you know, may have gone away. So, um, I guess theoretically, you know, that could have been really good. You know, it's not something we should probably try at home to uh, cause other people pain so that they should daven properly. But I guess Penina felt that in this situation, she felt like, you know, maybe it was the right thing to do to motivate Chana to daven properly and so that she should get answered. And it could be that it even actually worked out. That uh, it's, I don't know if we know whether or not that motivation actually made a difference in Chana's tefillah and whether that made a difference in Chana being answered. But that's part of the storyline. So that, that was the story that I had always heard, is that Penina was L'shem Shemaim, and she ended up getting punished because maybe uh, it wasn't an appropriate application. Maybe the way she did it was too much, or maybe she shouldn't have done it, even though she thought she should have done it. But I was studying the um, Navi, and it seemed to indicate that there was more really going on in this story. Um, so I don't remember the exact psukim here, but one of the things that you know the Navi says was that the more love that Elkanah gave to Hannah, meaning because her husband recognized that Hannah was in a lot of pain, and it says that the more love that Elkanah gave to Chana the pain that gave to Chana as well. So happy with um, the fact that here there were two co-wives and one of the co-wives was getting more love and more attention from the husband. 
And because of that, you know, it's a hard thing to deal with. So it sounds like Nina was looking on the um, extra pain onto Hannah because Nina herself wasn't feeling so comfortable with it. I'm looking to find the Pusik here in front of me. Um, I remembered it. Um, so that was one thing that uh, it sounds like one extra part of the story that was also involved was that Panina had two things going on. Like, first of all, she was a little bit jealous of Hannah. And the second thing was that when after Hannah gets answered, so Chana gives the special uh, tefillah Chana, you know, the second tefillah that she had uh, given. And part of the tefillah, what she said was, was she was saying that, you know, thankfully Hashem listened to me. And this is something that Pnina, who had a lot of arrogance, was to... Um, what Panina was doing, which was acting with arrogance. That sounds like they're related to point number two, or it's like a third thing, that here you had some L'shem Shemaim, you had a second factor of Panina being in pain, and a third thing that it highlights is Panina's arrogance that she had. Now, the Pasuk and Rashi doesn't like, Rashi is the one who points out that it was uh, Penina's arrogance that um, Hannah was referring to. He doesn't really explain what exactly the arrogance was. All he says was that when the Pasuk says, Al-Tarbu Tadaberu, he says, don't be such a big talker. The Rashi says, Kol gase ruach asher shaita matlachas. He says, all people who are arrogant, that right now they have their time that's, you know, where they're experiencing Hatzlacha. He says, He says, part of Nina's discussion, part of her communication, reflected the arrogance that she had, is that, hey, I'm on top of the world right now. I have all these kids. My co-wife doesn't have these kids. So when she was speaking to Hannah, she was speaking from a perspective of arrogance, looking down on Hannah, maybe being too uh, comfortable in her own shoes. So it sounds like that's like a third part of the story. So you have some kinna, you know, that Panina had that she was not so happy with her position. You had the second aspect of her arrogance. And then when you put that together with the fact that she was L'shem Shemaim, so those were like third... Um, you know, three different like aspects of what's going on. A fourth aspect of what's going on was that Penina was making this assessment about Hannah. Like she recognized, here's my co-wife. I see that she's in a bad situation and I feel like I have the answers to her problems. My assessment is that she's not davening enough and really she needs to be a little bit more motivated to dive in. And I have my approach. 
So it's really an assessment about a couple things, an assessment about whether Khanna was davening enough, and it was also an assessment of how to deal with the problem, that I think that this is uh, the problem, she's not motivated enough to daven, and I feel like the right assessment is to go ahead and figure out a solution to the problem. What's the solution to Khanna's problem? I'm gonna cause her a little more pain, and then she's going to be motivated to daven more. So I don't know if we see that that assessment was wrong. It's possible that it was right, that maybe Hannah really should have been davening uh, more. But, you know, that's really a fourth aspect of what was going on in the story. Hey, Yehuda, welcome. Yoni, Rabbi Yoni, welcome to you too. Let me just give you a little bit of the background. Um, so we had started talking about the famous problem of good intentions and how good intentions can create all kinds of complications at times. So we're talking about the story of Penina and Hannah. So they were co-wives who were, um, you know, both married to Elkanah. And the Navi tells us that Penina was causing Hannah a lot of distress about the fact that she didn't have any children. And Penina thought that you know what the problem is? Hannah's not motivated enough to daven properly. And the best way to get her motivated is not by sitting down and talking to her about the problem. Rather, the best way to get her motivated is to cause her distress about the fact that she didn't have any kids. And if she feels more distressed, then maybe she'll be motivated to daven properly. So that was the basic storyline. So Rashi says, you know, he's the one who gives the context. He quotes the Madrash that says that really Penina was L'shem Shemaim. She wasn't actively trying to give Hannah um, pain just because she was in the mood to do that. Rather, what she was doing was she was trying to motivate Hannah to uh, daven properly. And her mind, even though on the surface she was doing something that was really horrible, but her motivations and her intentions were L'shem Shemaim. She was trying to help out. Um, so a couple other parts of the story that we just introduced was that one of the things that Hannah mentioned about Penina later on, reflecting on the story after it was all done, was that Hannah said that, you know, my co-wife Penina, she was sitting pretty. And she was um, arrogant. Rashi refers to her as a, as a gase, a ruach. And Rashi says that the thing that allowed Penina to be speaking to Hannah in such a way was because of the fact that she had a lot of arrogance. So that was one other part of the story. Another part of the story was the fact that Rashi refers to Penina as being someone who is jealous of Hannah's relationship with Elkanah because Elkanah kept showing Hannah more love and affection in order to try to cheer her up. And while doing so, Penina was a little bit uh, turned off by that. Like, hey, why is Hannah getting all this attention? And based on that, she was motivated to uh, cause Hannah more pain. So one thing that hit me was just the basics here in, you know, just thinking back, forgetting this exact story, you know, thinking about situations where we have good intentions, and trying to think about what generally comes along with the good intentions as well. Of course, we need to have good intentions, we need to try to make the right decisions, but maybe to recognize some of our vulnerabilities at the time that we're trying to use our good intentions 
to cause other people pain or to speak lash and heart about other people or to try to communicate to others or about others, where, you know, the starting point, like the Chavetz Chaim tells us, is we have to make sure that our kavanas are l'shem shemayim. But one of the things that's probably challenging that's highlighted by this story is the fact that even if our kavanas are l'shem shemayim, it doesn't mean we don't have other kavanas as well. And when we do have other intentions, it could really complicate things. Rabbi, I see um, you have thoughts. So before we continue, can you please share your thoughts? No, no, no. I just, I hear that's, you know, very, um, very important Nakuda, just very, very simply, that we could very easily tend to, like, be focused on our Hashem Shemayim motivations and not be aware of the, the more subtle midos or other personal factors that could be involved that mm-hmm. are playing into it and affecting our judgment. So I hear the, yeah, I hear the story very well. All right. So to me, it sounds, thank you. To me, it just sounds like an interesting thing. I mean, it's pretty basic, but it's just such a great seer, I think, of the fact that if we think so often we ourselves may be expressing emotional or feeling emotional pain in a scenario where, you know, the person we're speaking to or the person we're speaking about maybe is someone who, you know, we have a relationship with and maybe sometimes there are some complications in the relationship. And those are often the people that we speak about, L'Shem Shemaim, you know, to try to look for help, look for guidance, to try to get other people involved, to help us out. Or if we're trying to vent about someone else, we certainly are often experiencing some emotional pain. Together with the fact that we often, you know, do have certain midos that, you know, play a role in, you know, this relationship, such as, you know, in this scenario, you know, Panina apparently was feeling like, hey, life is good. Things are good for me. You know, my poor uh, co-wife, you know, she's like beneath me. She's the one who's struggling. She's the one who's in pain. Like, I have to help her out. Like, I imagine, like, probably similar kind of situations can happen with parents, you know, with leaders, with rabbis, where um, I'm sure it could happen in other relationships as well. But if we feel like we're above others, and certainly if we feel like the other person's causing us, you know, pain and distress in our lives. You know, they're not behaving, they're not listening to us in the way that we would be comfortable with. So we could have all kinds of different like motivations, both in our own, you know, pain that we're trying to deal with and together with the midos that we have. And the fact that if our intentions really are l'shem shemaim, it's so much harder to see and even to think about the other intentions that we have. Like the measure seems, or the, the Gemara sounds like it says that Penina really was L'shem Shemaim. You know, sometimes one of the challenges is in a situation where we think we're L'shem Shemaim, we're really not L'shem Shemaim, we're really motivated mostly by other factors. But in a scenario where we really are motivated L'shem Shemaim, maybe it's even more complicated to recognize that the need to deal with other factors. So I just think it's, to me, when I was studying it, it seemed like it opened my eyes to, you know, the recognition that obviously when we have our own emotional pain that's related to the situation, or if we have other midos that are, you know, relevant in the situation, 
and we have L'shem Shemaim, it makes us extremely vulnerable to um, assessing the situation inappropriately. A second thing, I guess, that hit me was not only is the problem that we might make a bad decision right now, but if we don't recognize that we have these other factors going on, so for the future, we're much less likely to deal with them. Like imagine Penina and Hannah's relationship, you know, continued. You know, if nothing, you know, came in to, you know, change the situation in a very tangible way. Let's say it went on for, I don't know how long it went on with to begin with. It sounded like it was going on for, for years. It says that, you know, every year they used to go up to Israel together and they had this same kind of struggle every year. It sounds like it was going on for a while. But certainly if in our lives we have a L'shem Shemaim and we're dealing with the problem and we're only really dealing with, you know, one part of the problem, which is the other person's problems, as opposed to recognizing our own part of the problem, which is that we're suffering. It sounds like a very dangerous thing for ourselves because here we are, we're working on like, how do I fix this other person? Like, what do I do to fix this other person? The likelihood of us recognizing I'm in pain, I don't like this situation. Elkanah, you know, my husband is showing, you know, preferential treatment to my co-wife. I'm not so comfortable with that. I don't like that. You know, I'm looking down on my co-wife because of the fact that I'm in a good position and she's not and have a Midos kind of challenge. So it just sounds like, you know, just an interesting, um, maybe important thing to focus on, the appreciation of the different kinds of challenges that come, especially when we really do have good intentions. So that was the uh, second thing that I thought was interesting. Like, first of all, like the toxic combination of good intentions together with our own personal emotional pain and our Midos challenges. Uh, when you put them all together, we're really very vulnerable and somewhat likely to make inappropriate decisions without recognizing it. And the second kind of like recognition that maybe like equally as damaging as making the wrong decision short term, but it makes us less likely to see our own challenges that we really need to deal with in order to help us out in our own personal lives, both for our midos and to deal with our emotional pain. And when we're l'shem shemaim trying to deal with the situation and focus on that, we might be less likely to really see the bigger picture of what's relevant to our own personal lives. So um, those were some of my thoughts. Um, I'm happy to hear uh, anyone else's ideas that relate to this. Hey, how are you, Rabbi? Thank you for this. Uh, these thoughts this have been on my mind recently. Uh, many times I've noticed that there's dual intentions in certain actions that I'm about to do or not about to do. And I get shied off from doing it due to the personal motivations being there with the L'shem Shemayim motivations. Uh, does the dual motivations tell me whether the act is right or wrong to do, or what's right or wrong is irrelevant to the emotions, and what's right or wrong is what's right or wrong? And the next challenge is deal with the, the two dual intentions. Right. I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is the fact that we have an agia or the fact that we have other intentions, it doesn't mean that the decision is wrong. 
Right, which certainly sounds like it's true. In this situation, I don't know if it's like 100% clear that what she was doing was wrong, but it sounds like the fact that she got punished is uh, somewhat of an indication that maybe what she was doing was wrong or maybe how she was doing it was wrong or maybe there was a third thing that was wrong. But in general, like it could be that our L'Shem Shemayim really is proper and we're making the proper assessment. But to really shying away every time would also not really necessarily be the right thing to do because a lot of times we're really supposed to be doing whatever decision that seems to be the right thing to do. But it just really highlights like how vulnerable we could be because like when we have our own needs that are relevant, especially like in this kind of situation, here you have a woman who's married to her husband and suddenly her husband is showing so much extra love to uh, the other wife. Like Hannah's a human being. I mean, Panina's a human being. Like that's hurtful. That's hard to deal with. So, um, like I think, you know, Elkanah said to Hannah that, you know, I show you so much more love. I show you, um, you know, because of the fact that you're in pain. I can see if I was in Panina's uh, shoes or sandals or whatever she was wearing, you know, I would not be so comfortable with that. Well, it's quite fascinating. So, because um, it's only coming because Hannah is childless and Panina would never want to trade places. But still, this <laughs> right. is like isolated and this doesn't really, you know, wind up getting counterbalanced by the in, in initial cause of it. Right, yeah, right. that is true. Like, I guess uh, Kina doesn't always work like that. It's not, uh, right, she wants, you know, we want both. We, we would rather have our children and uh, our spouse loving us and showing us that extra love. So, uh, um, but it gives like a little bit of a different perspective on Panina. You know, it's, you know, I had always heard that there are two options. Like either Panina was L'Shem Shemayim or she was a jerk. You know, and Rashi takes this side that she was L'Shem Shemayim. But really this highlights, you know, she was someone who was like in pain and in understandable pain. You know, I don't know if we're allowed to ask, you know, was Elkanah like aware of what was going on, all the different back and forth? You know, did he try his best? I guess we should assume that he probably did. And he felt like it was still appropriate to show the kind of the extra love, even though it was causing Penina, you know, to be somewhat upset. But it just gives like more of a background. Like in a way, what was hitting me is I love like, you know, this aspect of Navi, because you really get to get a decent sense of like the real life, like emotions of, you know, the characters of the people who are there, you know, just going through it. Like you can see, like, you know, from one perspective, it sounds like a soap opera, you know, but like a, in a healthy kind of way, like you really see it's complicated. It's hard. Like these are real people. Hannah was in a lot of pain because of, you know, her, her, desires, you know, weren't being filled and she was like emotional and she was crying and it was hard for her. And here you have Pina who was like upset that her husband wasn't showing her so much love and she reacted to it. And based on that, Hannah was like kept expressing like how difficult it was for her not to have the children and to be experiencing this pain from, 
you know, being criticized and being antagonized by her, uh, you know, by her co-wife. So it just sounds like such a interesting kind of like emotional discussion. Uh, what do we got here? Wow. Okay, that's uh, quite a post. Um, you want <laughs> <laughs> What do we see in this, uh, it's Yosef. Wow. Okay. It seems to me just just let my rudimentary reading of it that she that he was he was trying to to make sure he was trying to avoid this this guy from coming on the one I, I um that's just mm -hmm. just just um but it wasn't successful there's two things, there are two reasons one would not be uh, happy. One is that the the, the, the co-wife had had children, and the other one is that she's not raising children in general. So so it says he loved Chana so that Panina wouldn't become a Balgaiva about it. I'm just trying right. to figure out where that fits into your whole thing. Sounds like, like backfire. Right, I'm saying that's just, uh, I don't know, it just looks like, yeah, it <laughs> didn't really work. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. Okay, yeah. I don't know, just throwing that out there. Interesting. Um, yeah, it sounds like not every time that we try to help does it end up working out the way that we intend for it to help. Like, it sounds like you know, maybe he was trying to even the playing field a little bit. And I don't know, it's hard to know. Like, we don't know, you know, maybe it did help. Maybe it would have been worse, you know, without that. But um, it also could be that it didn't really work out so well, that he was trying to even the playing field, but it's really difficult to, to be in Nina's shoes and to feel like, hey, my husband's uh, showing love to my co-wife more than me. And even if I understand what he's trying to do, it's still hard. So, I think what the ACOSF shows, in terms of what you're saying, straight up, that the Matthias, that this that this um, feeling of these feelings are going to exist. I mean, he's trying to avoid, uh, you know, the the guy that's bound to come that Panina's going right. to have. He's trying to he's trying to, and the other way around, he's trying to make Hannah not feel uh, a sec, second fiddle. To this because that's like again it seems like an automatic unless James Shemayim's a step later you know whatever Panina's doing but but it seems that these feelings are natural about some it's not not like uh not like a chiddush that they had these feelings um lost you didn't I it's you know so I'm not sure I mean, it the seems fact like that it's natural for it makes sense Right, that's that. That's uh, that really highlights how it's complicated. You know, hundred percent. No, hundred percent. I'm asking. Yeah, I guess it really shows us. Yeah, so often when we try to get involved in helping, you know, one of the Chavetz Chaim's like guidelines are: we have to make sure that even if we're l'shem shemayim, and even if that's our only motivation, we have to know that we're really helping with what we're trying to do, as opposed to hurting. You know, this really highlights that as well, that 
it's not so simple to figure out like what's going to make the situation much better. Like here we want to get involved in someone else's, you know, someone else's dispute. I don't know if it's clear that Elkanah made the wrong decision because maybe he made it better in one way and he made it worse in the other way. But, um, you know, it's complicated. It's so hard to know like how to help out when there's all kinds of different friction that's going on between different people and where one person's looking down on the other. And it's very easy when we're L'Shem Shemayim, you know, to really, you know, close our minds. Like, hey, my intentions are good. My intentions are real. You know, I'm a parent. I'm a rabbi. I'm a friend. I'm a coworker. I'm a boss. Um, and you really see probably from like the whole discussion how, you know, there's so many different factors and it's so hard to know when are we helping? When are we hurting? You know, Kanina's involvement, definitely. She thought she was helping. Was she really helping? Um, doesn't sound like it. And, you know, I wasn't thinking this before our discussion, but really even from Elkanah's perspective, you know, it's not so easy what, to know whether or not, you know, his role, you know, contributed and was his, were his actions really helpful and beneficial to the overall situation or did, did he do things that made it a little more complicated? So I, it's not clear, so I don't want to assume that he made the wrong decision. But it's just a good seer about, like, even when you're talking about some of the, uh, you know, holy people who are discussed in the Navi, you know, some of our really special uh, Torah leaders, you know, the emotion, when once emotions are involved, it's super complicated to know, like, how to be able to step in and help out. But, um, I guess in so many situations, we don't really have the freedom to just step out of the situation. We're trying to help our kids or our friends. You know, we're in situations where we got to try to do our best, but it could be a motivation to recognize that even when we are trying to do our best, to realize that it's really not so simple to really make sure our involvement is more constructive than destructive especially when our own needs are relevant and maybe equally when other people's super sensitive needs are relevant, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how to help out, you know, people who are going through emotional, emotionally painful situations, making sure to say things that are going to help them feel better as opposed to saying things that are going to maybe cause them, you know, more distress. So, um, no chedushim, it's just complicated. Just the one, I guess, the two things that really were highlighted from this situation that I had wanted to share is, A, the fact that it sounds like a very complicated situation when you put together four different factors. Like one factor is we have good intentions. Another factor is we ourselves are emotionally, um, are affected in, in an emotionally painful kind of way by the situation. A third factor that we have different midos that are related to the situation, such as, you know, arrogance or things of this, uh, of similar, uh, similar kind of feelings and midos. And like a fourth thing, the fact that we're trying to assess a situation that's super complicated. There are a lot of different feelings and a lot of different factors that are going on and trying to make an objectively productive decision. So when you have those four kinds of things going on, which is generally probably the case, it's probably good to isolate. Hey, what are my L'shem Shemayim 
thoughts. What are my emotional, what emotional pain do I have that's related to the situation? Which of my midos are related to the situation? And then the fourth thing, what kind of assessments am I making about both the person, the situation, what the potential solution is, and trying to see how these like four different kinds of things play together. That's like one thing I wanted to share that it sounds like an interesting kind of like approach, you know, I'm used to using the words when we have Nagia's involved, you know, we should reassess as opposed to, you know, breaking it down into like these four compartments. And the second thing I thought was really helpful is that sometimes our L'Shem Shemayim could really be very um, hurtful to ourselves because if we have our own personal needs that are relevant, and sometimes we're ignoring our own personal needs because of our L'Shem Shemayim interests, you know, sometimes we're really holding ourselves back from taking care of ourselves. Like if I'm in pain, if I'm jealous, if I'm struggling with my self-esteem, if I'm struggling with trying to teach a class or trying to raise my kids and I'm having a hard time because I'm stressed out, I'm worried, I'm nervous, I'm upset, um, you know, whatever the other kinds of feelings are, sometimes if we're too l'shem shemaim and just focused on that, it holds us back from recognizing what are my needs in this situation. And sometimes if we stop and recognize what our needs are, you know, we'll make sure to take care of ourselves and our needs as well as trying to uh, keep our l'shem shemaim to help out others as well. So I don't know if I had the right understanding of the story. It sounds like um, that's what was going on with Hannah and Penina, at least according to Rashi. And, but it does sound like lessons that are true um, regardless of whether or not this is exact, exactly what was going on with Hannah, Penina, and Elkanah. Um, any thoughts? Avram, what do you say? I came late. I'm sorry about that. But um, I, from what you're saying right now, I'm not seeing the connection of why you picked mm -hmm. this story specifically. Uh, maybe elaborate on that because there are a lot of very complicated emotional parts to Nach, uh, Tanach, or wherever you want to go. So mm -hmm. why did you pick this one in particular? Um, I happen to be learning a little bit of Tanakh, and I wanted to uh, share the fact that now I'm not in Yeshiva, I'm allowed to learn Nach, and I was very proud of that, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. But other than that, it just hit me. It was just interesting. You know, Penina herself going through the emotional pain of not getting the love from her husband that she was um, expecting, together with the fact that Rashi points out that she also had a certain arrogance because her life was um, going very well in this situation. And the fact that that played a role in either her decision or at least the way that she carried out her decision was interesting to me. The fact that she had a real L'shem Shemayim here, you know, which the Gemara, you know, highlights that she really was L'shem Shemayim. She was fooling herself. And the fact that she was making assessments about both what Chana should be doing differently and what she should be doing differently in order to encourage Hannah to be acting differently. So it, it, there probably are, are other stories that bring out these same kinds of ideas, but I guess just seeing clearly, you know, being, seeing these factors being very clearly spelled out was just, uh, I don't know, it opened my eyes to be able to see how the four different compartments are all uh, being highlighted. 
I think it would be very helpful if we went around the table. Everybody should admit what they're learning that they wouldn't have been caught dead learning while they were in yeshiva. <laughs> well, so far, I was able to pull out the medrash more. I clearly do not also. <laughs> as long as it's in the Shem Shemayim, of course. <laughs> According to Nevesh Chaim, pretty much anything qualifies, so it's all good. You better hurry up. I, I have one follow-up thought. As a, oh, uh, please. A, a potential, um, a maybe helpful method to uh, help ourselves be aware that there could be um, many complex factors going on. And that is when we notice it in other people. Because it's always easier to see what's going on or to imagine what's going on by somebody else. Of somebody who's presenting himself as being a Shem Shemayim. But it appears to us that maybe there are factors, very, very natural human factors that are playing in that they may, themselves may not be aware of. So when we see that happening, we could use that and say to ourselves, could it really be that all the other people in the world are subject to this phenomenon of thinking about themselves and not realizing where they're being affected by the amidos or nikios or real emotions? And I'm the only one who's not? Probably not. <laughs> so weird is it that I'm also uh, subject to that where I think of et cetera, but nevertheless, there may be some other very human uh, elements that are playing in, and that can help us to try to find, find them and gain that awareness. <laughs> it's for sure true. It's so much easier to see it by others. Right. Um, but another motivation for us to do it is because really, the more we care about ourselves, then... You know, L'shem Shemayim, in a way, is great. Like, we want to help others, but the recognition that maybe we have a lot to gain from focusing on what our needs are, right? If I'm a parent and I, L'shem Shemayim, want to get involved and to solve, you know, my kids' problems, but if I'm ignoring my own needs, that's something that I don't really want to be doing. I don't want to ignore my own needs. So if we encourage ourselves, like, hey, what, what do I really need in this situation? Like, what's really bothering me as well? So that could be a great motivation. We're allowed to, entitled to, and encouraged to uh, try to take care of our own needs as well. Well, okay. Um, just for, uh, if you happen to want to look it up, I was trying to find it. So here it is. It's actually in the same, um, actually not the same Pasuk, but in Pasa. Vav is where Rashi says that Pnina was L'shem Shemayim Nesgavna. In Pasuk Zayin, it says, V'tzarasa, but Pnina l'fi chiba shabayla marala, the more love that Kain tar begam hila Then, you know, when she felt like, hey, my co-wife is getting so much more love, so then, you know, she was more motivated to um, get Chana angry. Um, so I guess you could read that Rashi maybe a little differently, that she felt like, hey, Hannah, maybe if she was getting more love from, uh, from Elkanah, she was less likely to daven. So the more love that Elkanah gave her, the more Penina had to torture her. So I guess it's not Mokra from Rashi that he's saying that it was uh, jealousy, but 
I guess the way I had read it was that Penina was saying to herself, the more love that Hannah's getting makes me less, com- less comfortable and therefore I want to go and make her um, more upset. And then when it talks about the, uh, the gaiva that Penina had, you know, that's where, that's in the beginning of the second parak where Hannah was uh, expressing that Penina was al-tarbu tadabru gavoa gavoa that Chana was referring to Pnina, that she was sitting, sitting pretty, and that's why she was looking down on Chana, and she was comfortable putting Chana down, you know, L'Shem Shemaim. So, uh, but it was really from Gaiva. So just if you wanted to look it up, that's where the uh, sources are. Um, so let's try to be L'Shem Shemaim. This is not a discouragement of that. The more L'Shem Shemaim, the better. The more sincere we are trying to help others, the better. It's just more of an encouragement for the self-awareness that there's generally so much more going on other than our sincere desire to do what's right as well. And together with our sincere desire to do what's right, we should also be aware of the other factors that are relevant. And it's for our best interest and for other people's best interest. And all we can do is our best. So we should try to do not much less than our best. Thank you very much. Rabbi Mazel Tov. Yes, thank you.